Hello, church family. Uh, Today we're going to look at Acts chapter 20, verse 17 to 24. Uh, At this point in the narrative of the book of Acts, uh, Paul is, um, uh, this is his third missionary journey. And uh, if you remember at the the middle to the end of uh, chapter 19, uh, Paul was just visiting different places, and as he's going through them, he's uh, sharing the gospel. People are getting saved, and um, uh, so much so that he caused a riot because basically when people turned away from their uh, fake idols, the entire uh, industry collapsed, and that caused people wanting to you know, kill Paul, and Paul was moving from one place to another to escape that. And in chapter 20, uh, we just see like a glimpse of Paul's love for the church as he goes from one place to the next. And uh, uh, he even ha- we, we even see a, a miraculous incident where Eutychus falls out of a window and yet he gets miraculously healed by Paul to encourage the people there. And then uh, uh, the journey continues from when Paul is going to Miletus, he's going to Troas all the way to Miletus. And, there was this long journey that he went, and he was with all these other people, and he just loved being with uh, the Lord's people. And um, he, his hope is to get to Jerusalem before, or on the day of Pentecost. And that's kind of where we left off. Here, we're going to see Paul's just commitment uh, to fulfilling the task that God has given them. And we know that uh, for all of us, um, our life is not our own, and that everything that we do should point to that same ultimate goal, and that is to glorify the Lord, to make God made known throughout the world. And whatever we do, whether it's in ministry, our work, or hobbies, they should point to that end. They should help us in that way so that we can be used by God mightily. And that's what Paul does He, he uh, as we go through this portion here. Verse 17, from Miletus, he sent, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And there's this little um, interesting note here is elders in plural. I know there's some churches out there that don't believe in the plurality of elders. And for us, the reason why we do is because uh, we see the just the examples in Book of Acts as well as uh, the First Timothy 3 and other passage where it speaks of the plurality of elders. So Paul is here. He's speaking to the plural, all these elders here. Verse 18. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time. So Paul here just really highlighting the fact that these people know who he is. Uh, they, they've seen his life. They observed his. Uh, they observed his life. They looked at his doctrine, and they 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 know who he is. There's a genuineness to them. He was with them. It means that he was living life with the people there, which again just bring us back to what we thought, what we talked about last week about how, you know, we should want to be in, in person. We should uh, in, in whatever it may be, whether it's a small group or Sunday. We should want to be there because how can people observe your life if you're you know, by yourself? Um, how can you have accountability when you know it's so much easier to run away from accountability when you're not there? Uh, the most basic way that we know that you're doing well is that we see you and that we're able to c- communicate with you and see how you're doing, observing your life, and even see how even possibly even your doctrine because life and doctrine go hand in hand. And as we look at that, uh, uh, if we look at each other's lives, we're keeping each other accountable, we're sharpening one another, we're correcting each other when need be, we're encouraging each other. And in order to do that, we need to be with each other. So, you know, Paul here is saying that, you know, you know yourselves uh, who it is like because he's with you the whole time. 
verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. And, you know, Paul understood that he is a servant of the Lord, that he's God's slave. He understands that his primary purpose is to serve God. He needs to obey him. And in that obedience, he's, he's doing it not because of pride. Like, he's not talking, like, Paul's not saying, like, he's not boasting his apostle card or saying that he's a Jewish teacher or scholar or anything like that. The, his main focus is that he's doing this because he got humbled by the Lord. And that being humbled by the Lord makes him humble. Like, the way that he thinks about life, the way that he, he interacts with people, the way he engages everything in his life. He, he's humbly serving the Lord because he, you know, the moment he got saved, he realized like how small he is and how vast and how great God is. And that's what, uh, you know, humility is, should be a, is an attribute of Christians. You know, we'll call, uh, Jesus said, blessed are the meek. You know, we're, we're the one who doesn't think highly of ourselves. And there are a lot of Christians that think highly of themselves in subtle ways. It's not always necessarily boasting about their talents or their giftedness. I think sometimes people swing the other way when there's that self-pity. Uh, oh, how, oh, uh, my ministry is not that big, and they, they're, they're always focusing ourselves. Genuine humility is always deferring to the Lord. And I think Paul does that well. He's always pointing to the, to the Lord in the way that he lives because he knows that he's serving the Lord. And I want to question you. How, you, how are you serving the Lord with that are you are you serving the Lord with that kind of humble attitude is it that you realize that you yourself need uh, to just deny yourself more and put Christ before you as opposed to putting yourself the center of your ministry which can be a temptation especially if we're uh, good at something when we're good at a particular field we like to think that that's the most important field or that we generally think that our own ministry is the most important ministry and how come everyone else is not doing your our own ministry that's not a humble attitude uh, paul never boasted about his um, success uh, except when he needed to to defend his uh, apostleship but generally speaking he was he doesn't like to boast about himself because he knows and he understands that his life is not his own anyways so what's the point of making us look at our own life or his own life um, as opposed to just pointing and deferring uh, the glory to the Lord? And you know, Paul said he's in here, verse 19, with tears and with trials. And you know, ministry is hard. It is not easy. You're going to deal with difficult people. You're going to suffer together. There's going to be just hardship just because that's just the way life is in a fallen world. That you're ministering to those that are, are hard to love. But particularly for Paul, it's like his trials and tears came because uh, he, he knew about all the, the persecution that's about to come. He wanted to honor the Lord, um, and sometimes honoring the Lord means that we will invite hostility from the world. And Paul loved his fellow people. He, it, it's, it's, it's weird for us because we live in a society where it's like, you know, we're all mixed together, right? Like there's, in America, we're generally pretty, uh, we're, we're at least aware of other ethnicities. Uh, but when you're in a Jewish culture, you're you're just surrounded with uh, people that are Jewish, and you're just naturally hostile, hostile towards Gentiles. And Paul had to like, you know, had to let go of that because he understood that that's what you know, God's not a, 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 a God doesn't have a doesn't play favorites. He's not a respecter of man. But the people that he loves are the ones who's rejecting Christ. And the only people that are receiving him are the people that Jews hate. So he's ministering to the Gentiles, and but yet he's still looking back and seeing all the people that. You know, loved ones, friends that he grew up with that have that have not accepted Jesus, and now not only that, that he not only he wants to be saved, but they're trying to kill him. 
So he's experiencing all this trial and, and, and tribulations and difficulties, and he's you know he's with tears because he wants he wants to see his people to come uh, to save in faith. And this again shows us um, the heart of of Paul that he's just an evangelist. He he wants those that his he wants his loved ones to be saved. He wants the people that, that are his people, his people that are his ethnic background to be saved. Now I wonder if, again, looking at your own life, do you, are there people in your life that you claim to love? Uh, that you're that you know that you haven't shared the gospel with, because you know the most loving thing you can do for a non-Christian isn't the most practical things. The most basic thing that you can do is to share the gospel with them. The most loving thing that you can do is warn them of the destruction that is ahead, and that they need to repent from, because without Christ they're going to be doomed. That should be your biggest concern. You your greatest act of love is to warn them and to show them the greatest love that is in Christ. And so the flip side is also true. If you don't do that, then you don't really love those people that you claim to love. You can't say you love your parents if you're not willing to share the gospel with them. You can't say that you love your friends or your siblings if you don't share the gospel with them. You're not pleading with them and to the point of tears. You know, you should want them to be saved. And same with, you know, every everyone around. We claim to if we claim to love people, and we're called to love God and love other people, the most loving thing we do for other people is to share the gospel with them. Look at Paul's boldness. He said in verse 20, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable in teaching you publicly and from house to house. So Paul, he, he did not hide any doctrine. He taught everything that he knew that was inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, that pointed to the Lord. There was no error from what he was teaching. He taught everything. He taught the whole counsel of God. If you're wondering why, you know, our pastors love to teach the Bible, it's not because we don't like to do anything else. Uh, like, it's not like we're, we're above things like, you know, hosp- uh, hospital visits or putting up chairs or fixing the church or whatever. That's, we're not above those things. It's just that our primary task as pastors is to f- preach and teach God's Word to the people. Why am I doing this podcast uh, for the last year and a half? It's because I want people that are listening to know God. Uh, that in their own devotional time, in their own private time that are listening to this thing, is that they can know the Lord. Um, why do I teach, and why do all of us teach in Sunday school? It's because we want people to know the Lord. And why do we preach? Why do we emphasize so much about God's Word? It's because God's Word is really the only thing that we have. And the role of the, the, the pastor, the shepherd, is to teach God's Word, and not to shrink away from any doctrine or any type of teaching from God's Word. Which is, again, hard in our day and age where there is this cancel culture, where there are certain things where people don't like to hear. Uh, well, that's, and especially if they don't like to hear things when, it, when it's revealed in Scripture that's contrary to their own life. And us as Christians, we don't, we, don't do, we don't preach based on the consensus of people. Paul tells him to preach the word in season and out of season. And that's not to say, like, oh, preach a word when there's a lot of, like, fruit, when there's a lot of people coming to faith and when people doesn't come to faith. No, he's telling people, uh, He's telling uh, Timothy to preach to them when the people are willing to listen or not listen, where to preach the word. And we're not bounded by, the, by the, the will of people. We're bounded by the word of God. And when we preach and we teach, it has, to be, it has to stem from scripture. And that's the same thing for you and I. If you claim to love your friends and your neighbors and you're trying to teach them God's word, you can't shy away from hard topics. And, you know, the, especially the moral ones. Um, I know our day and age, we, we are, we're essentially almost inching towards the time of judgment we're doing what's right in our own eyes but even in those times we want to uh, preach God's word to them even if they don't listen and that's not 
Our job is not to convert them. Our job is not to you know, change the cultures uh, for the sake of changing it, but we change individuals' lives uh, by the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And you know, we don't shrink away. Whatever doctrine it teaches, it may not sound uh, right to the world, but we do it because we love the Lord and we love other people. And it says here we're teaching public and from house to house. So Paul was, you know, obviously he's doing like church, uh, kind of like home churches as well as preaching publicly. Uh, and again, this is just shows you like his love for people, that he's willing to meet them in and out of homes and in and out of places that, um, and public places. And again, just think about our own life. How are we using the space that God has given us? Are we using the space that he's given us, like our homes, uh, to, to build up and edify the body? Are we out in public uh, using the, uh, you know, seeing that like our life, wherever we are, wherever we work, that, that space that we're in, as stewardship from the Lord to, to faithfully declare the gospel? And however and wherever you are, we're called to make disciples. That's what, what we're here for. Verse 21, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul here, his evangelist, he's, he's, he's witnessing to everyone, although his primary task is to the Gentiles, or the Greeks, as we're here. Um, he understood that he needs to witness to the Jews as well. And he, he's not thinking of, oh, I'm only in charge of witnessing to one group. But yes, he has a primary task because the Lord's going to use him in a very special way. But when he got a chance, he witnessed to the Jews as well. He didn't see, uh, he just was just willing to witness to everyone. And is, is that something that you have as well? Are there certain people that you would prefer talking to or sharing the gospel because you're just more comfortable with them? And that's favoritism. And that's not something that we uh, should be known as. We should be willing to share the gospel with anyone that the Lord placed in our path. Verse 22. And now, behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. This phrase, bound in spirit, is, 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 it's actually the word for like, it's, in, it's used in other places, like Romans chapter 2, to speak of like a marriage type thing, that you're bound to them, you're knit, your hearts are knit together. And he is using this and saying bound in spirit. That means his mind is being controlled by the Lord. It, what he's thinking and what he wants is exactly what God wants. Uh, he wants to go to Jerusalem, but he understands even his own fi uh, f um, finiteness because he doesn't know what will happen to him. Except, verse 23, that the Holy Spirit solemnly testified to me in every city, saying that bounds and afflictions await me. So what, a, what an amazing testimony by Paul here. Like The only thing that he's certain is that he's going to get persecuted. And that's what actually what Jesus said before he was converted. right? He said that uh, uh, Christ told, I think it was like uh, Paulus, uh, uh, yeah, Christ. I'm sorry. Christ told Ananias that uh, this uh, that um, Paul is going to be used in a unique way for him to be persecuted and show and to suffer for his name's sake. Uh, Acts chapter nine verse sixteen. He, he he's supposed to suffer, and imagine being told that when you're saved, like, oh, my task for you, one of the things you're going to do is that you're going to suffer in my name. How many of us are willing to still convert to Christianity, knowing that that's the future at hand? And yet, at the same time, that's actually something that we do know. Jesus said that they're going to persecute because they hate him. And in other words, we should expect persecution for us as we're faithful to the Lord. And again, this isn't to say that we invite persecution and suffering because it'll just naturally come. But what we are called to do is faithfully live and declare God's word. And if that invites persecution, if that becomes difficult for us, we need to see that stewardship and even a privilege from the Lord that, we're, that he's deemed us honor uh, you know, have enough uh, ability by His grace 
uh, and even chosen by the Lord to suffer for his name. So the Holy Spirit told him he's going to be afflicted everywhere he went. Verse 24, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus <clears throat> to testify solemnly to the gospel of grace of God. See, he understood, and Paul understood, that his life is not his own. He lived his life knowing that uh, that he, he has a mission by the Lord to go and tell the people about the grace of God. And he doesn't care if he loses his life. He's willing to expend himself for the people in the church, in, the, in his epistles, in his ministry charities. And he's willing to expend himself to the lost, even if it means being persecuted by them. He did all of these things because he understood the glory of God. He understood who God is, and he wanted to testify of the good news of, of Jesus Christ. Now, what about you? When you think about your own life, when you think about how difficult things can be for being a Christian, do you find yourself more inspired to go and, and, and live a godly life and to tell people about Jesus and to testify the gospel of, of, of grace? Or do, you, or do you shrink away? You see the, the, the tides uh, coming against us. Do you just decide to flee or do you, or do you trust in the Lord? Do you trust in the Lord that this is this situation and this time with these people, this circumstance, in this environment, all of the circumstance you're in, are they, do you see it as God ordaining, putting you here for his divine purposes to ultimately make him be made known to our uh, non-believing friends and neighbors? Because that's what Paul was like. He had this one-track mind. He understood that he needed to, uh, he, he, he said he's bounded together with the Lord in that way. He's bounded in spirit. Um, he, know, he knows, like, okay, I'm going to go a witness to whoever because that's what my job is here. And it's the same task for all of us as Christians. Matthew 28 tells us that we're called to make disciples of all nations. And it is harder now, but that doesn't mean it's impossible because greater is he that's in us than those in the world. Um, so may we continue to trust in the Lord and be faithful in our, and diligent in our evangelism. And we hope that you know, we will be like Paul in that way, that we model our life out of, uh, you know, follow Paul in the way he followed Jesus and his faithfulness in declaring uh, the gospel to those that may even end up wanting to kill him. And may that be for us as well. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a great day.